Is this going on a permanent record? Yes, especially yours. <laughs> Naughty boy. Welcome to Podscure, uh, and this will be our second of our gorilla interviews. We're not interviewing gorillas, Don, no. I know you were excited, but we're not interviewing gorillas. That's not happening. So I was at a, sh- at a show last night, and I was standing by the <clears throat> the sound booth guy, who's also the owner. Yes. Um, and on the big mixing board, they had there was you know white tape everywhere with sure. the labels of yeah. what, what stuff does. And at the very top, it says... Push button, get banana. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, let's introduce our guest, Kate, from, now, is it IWB Podcast or uh, Ignorance with Bliss Podcast, right? The name of it is Ignorance with Bliss. I just couldn't fit IWB Podcast or Ignorance (laughs) with Bliss in the the entry for the squad. So we basically, I mean, I wouldn't even say we met. We just kind of talked for the first time about an hour ago. And set this up. This is kind of what the whole premise of the gorilla podcasting is, or gorilla interviews. We don't really know anything about each other, aside from we're indie podcasts. Yes. And, you know, and our thing is we want to get the word out about indie podcasts. So, Kate, tell us about yourself. Tell us about your podcast, and then we'll kind of, you know, talk weird about things. I I, uh, I learned about Kate and uh, her podcast about six minutes ago. Yes. Something like that. Yeah, so you know, some of us go way back, and some of us only go a little bit way back. <laughs> sure, but it's like it's like old fam- family time, right? <laughs> well, no, no, no. See, because with my family, I don't want to talk to them. <laughs> well, friends are the family you choose. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, Kate, tell us about yourself and your podcast. Sure, um, I am a former forensic psychologist and crisis clinician. I'm home on disability now. I broke my back. Which I do not recommend, by the way. And about a year and a half ago, I decided, you know, I'm tired of sitting here sort of like I was hearing podcasters ask questions that I knew the answers to. Hmm. And I was like, oh, I know. Except they never came and asked me because, (laughs) you know, they had already recorded uh, several months prior. And so I decided I'll start my own show. And I'm, I just dropped 174 episodes. Oh, wow. So, yeah. I, That's I don't, a lot. It is. It's, it's far too many. I don't know why anybody listens. <laughs> I honestly don't. But so my, my, my goal is to make anything understandable because that's sort of what forensic psychology is all about, mm-hmm. is about figuring out why people do what they do. And so I talk to people about you know, actual serial killers doing actual serial killy things, or I'll just talk to people about anxiety or depression or whatever it is they're going through. Can you um, somehow infiltrate um, all of the uh, political debates and (laughs) speak? (laughs) 
There will be it's... no debate. It will be fine. I will do whatever I want and say whatever I think. Uh, I mean, I can diagnose them all, but I don't want to inconvenience them. <laughs> uh, so, so you are a forensic psychologist. I mean, that was your job. I mean, you like, I mean, like kind of doing the John Douglas thing. Yeah. Well, sort of. He, uh, he is not a psychologist. But yeah, right, right. I, I actually interviewed with the FBI. They have you go through several rounds of interviews, and I got to the third round before I decided there are aspects of FBI profiling that were not okay with me in terms of how I wanted to live my personal life. Um, basically, oh, so like, crap loads of traveling, sure, and I didn't want to keep guns in my home. Ah, um, yeah. I understand that. That kind of thing. And sure. so I went on to just study forensic psychology, which is not as sexy as it sounds, really. It's, I mean, I make it that way, of course. But <laughs> that um, it's just, it's a, sitting with a lot of really sad, hurting, scared people. Because sure. forensic psychology means anything that has to do with the court system. Yeah. That makes, that, I, I yeah, totally makes sense. I mean, why somebody did a thing. Why they, why, why they uh, embezzled the, $24 million. Or, well, no, I know or, why that. Like, I told you would do that. But if, if I could get away with embezzling $20, I would. <laughs> right? Seriously. So, I mean, it's a lot. A lot of what I did was competency to stand trial, which is uh-huh. incredibly boring. Like, yeah. wicked. Yeah. Um, so that's the, so. What, what's what's the what's the level for that that you have to meet for the court? It's a real low bar. Let me tell you. Like I can tell you both right now that you're competent to stand trial already. God damn it! <laughs> I told sorry. you, Don. Uh, but because you basically have to be able to tell right from wrong, you have to be able to work with your lawyer. Not that you will, just that you're able to, and you have to know like the different roles in the courtroom. So like who the judge is and who, you know, where you're supposed to sit and the fact that you're not supposed to jump up and take a shit on your table in the middle of trial. But like, that's the fun part. So I hear. Look, so I drew like, my name. <laughs> right? So like, as long as you read, that's a real, that's pretty low standard. Yeah. Really. You know, as long as you wouldn't do what you did in front of a cop and then you can sit down and shut up when you need to. Like, so, I mean, so much of competency stuff gets gets washed out before it ever gets to a courtroom. So it's never all, you know, the idea of whether somebody is not guilty by reason of insanity is actually pretty rare because it usually it washes out way earlier than that. But I still had to do the testing and write up reports just in case. Um, some diagnostic stuff and some like checking in, you know, you get a baseline for somebody and then you check in later. Sure. But that, I mean... For the most part, that's about it for the forensic work I did. I, I worked as a, a called correctional psychologist, so inside a men's state prison, mm. and that was fascinating. I'll bet. How, how um, did that work? How did that come to pass? I, there was not enough work. I lived. I worked in in New Hampshire at the time, and there just weren't enough designated forensic psychologist roles. And so I was like, I'm going to do something. So. I came to, I went to work there and it was fantastic. Like that I felt more sort of respected and safe working inside a men's prison than I have in pretty much any other job I've ever had. Wow. Interesting. And my mother-in-law worked uh, inside a prison. Uh, what's that prison that's up uh, Monroe? Walla Walla? Monroe? Yeah. Monroe State Penitentiary. There you go. Uh, my she- father served a nickel there. 
<laughs> she uh, she was doing she uh, did IT <laughs> there. My dad didn't do IT there, <laughs> unless IT means something um, infiltrating. Definitely, terrible, terrible, terrible. Well, so so how did you? So what 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 caused you to go down this path of? of uh forensic psychology i mean you saw you, you saw you saw uh the uh what was a silence of the lambs and <laughs> well i actually had a huge silence of the lambs poster on my wall but no um <laughs> I, I so in college i got real sick i was i was studying engineering mm. and i'm actually pretty good at it but it was boring as all fuck but your and <laughs> so i decided like i wasn't but the thing about where I went to school is it's it's in upstate New York, like way north, up by the Canadian border. And so it's dark all the time and it snows all the time and everybody's miserable. So the fact that I was miserable was like normal, I guess, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> and then I, so I didn't think about it. Like I didn't, all I really wanted to do was get out of my parents' house. Like that was my goal. Mm, yeah. And then my junior year, I got sick, and it was just a kidney infection. But because this was upstate New York in the middle of nowhere, they're like, um, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna ignore you long enough for you to get real sick, and then we're going to hospitalize you for a week and a half." So that's what happened, and that's when somebody brought me the book Mindhunter mm. by mm-hmm. John Douglas. Yep, and I was fascinated both by the 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 content, but by the idea of here's somebody that likes his job. What a concept. Yeah. You know? And so I, I, I literally, you know, I got the rest of that semester I had to take off. And then when I went back in the spring, I dropped all of my engineering classes. I ended up graduating as the only psychology graduate of my, my college that year. Hmm. And then went on, um, to got, I got both my my master's in both mental health counseling and criminal justice, and then went on for my doctorate. That's awesome. How long? How long? How long did that uh, course of uh, colleging did it did that take? A thousand years. <laughs> that's friggin' forever. That's impossible. Um, <laughs> hey, can you can you see us? By the way, no. Oh, we're not on video right now. Never mind. No, I, I, but I'm not on video. So. <laughs> oh, I was going to show you my uh, keychain because you mentioned that uh oh here sounds like the hannibal lecter little hannibal lecter guy i mean i appreciate deeply <laughs> hannibal lecter but i can't see you still oh, um, oh oops sorry yeah i don't know why sure. it's not showing it, but anyway it, it sounds just like it <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah that was my you know i i kind of was I thought like that's movies that you watch, but it's not a job that you do. And then it turns right. out, yeah, it's totally a job you can do. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, I find it f- endlessly fascinating. I mean, in watching, I mean, cause yeah, I, I read the book before the show came out. I mean, mm-hmm. I, 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 Oh, a hipster profiler. I, I, I ha- see. Yeah. Well, I had, I had the book. Yeah. Probably it was, must've been like 90, 94. I bought the book originally. Yep. Um, and, uh, it was, yeah fascinating i mean and i then recently i just rebought it as an audiobook because uh don and i have this problem where we we call reading narcolepsy so as soon as our eyes start hitting text they we just want to shut down (laughs) and so uh so yeah audiobooks really the only way i can do books now so so yeah i bought it uh, again as an audiobook uh and have listened to it again (laughs) so it's it's yeah it's a great book i mean i mean and the the concept uh, of you know studying serial killers 
Are you talking about Mindhunter? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. you were talking about Silence of the Lambs. I was confused. Well, because <laughs> well, supposedly the the character that uh, Scott Glenn played was based off of John Douglas. But got it. But only a little bit. I'm hip. Ish. I'm I mean, hip. John Douglas sure thought so. Oh yeah. I mean, but that's the thing is that that that's a lot of what forensic psychology. That's what assessment psychology is about. Whether you're going to be assessed for a learning disability or assessed for competency to stand trial. Okay, so there's a guy out of out of Texas. His name is Stephen Finn, um, and the only reason I know that is because I had to. Uh, and his his work is very much about the idea that a good assessment is just as therapeutic as actual therapy. And I totally buy into that because basically assessment is just somebody really listening and paying attention, and then saying to you, "This is what I understand you to be. Is that right?" And so that concept of being like understood deeply and on purpose mm-hmm. and then validated, like, hey, you make sense. Right. Like that's powerful. Yeah. I can, I can see that. I mean, so the, but the assessment, cause I know, I mean, I, I'm in therapy. I, I know Don has done the therapy thing uh, as well, but, and, Therapy takes some time. Uh, and that's the thing. Assessment is a whole shitload more uh, efficient. Yeah. It would seem that you would have to really have to have a lot of criteria of being able – that you can bullet point really fast in order to do that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's – so, the, so like, the studying of, of, like, the serial killers that they did in Mindhunter, uh, that's still ongoing, of course, I would, I would assume. Um, how – I mean – how effective is that? I mean, because there, there was something that I came across recently based off because of the second season of Mindhunter came out and they were talking about the problem with the study of that, uh, like they did with the serial killers is they, it, it was only the serial killers who were willing to talk to them. And also ones who had gotten caught. Right. So, yeah, it's, uh, so I, I think there's still, yeah, there's still some room for improvement there. I don't know how they go about it, but it's, uh, how do you feel about that? I'm not volunteering to any discussions <laughs> about anything I may or well, may not have is, done. Have you stopped killing people? Not with my mind knives, no. <laughs> have I? I mean, no, I'm me. even answering that question. <laughs> I plead the seventh. Whatever the seventh is, I plead it. <laughs> That's what I plead, yeah. I, I mean, it's an excellent start. Um, I think that what they did was groundbreaking and really important. I don't think it's both enough and I don't think it's the right way to look at the problem because profiling is 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 really bad at predicting what someone is going to do in the future Mm. you know what i mean like oh yeah even the more i know about somebody means that's more that i know about this person but even things like so in in mind hunter they talk quite a lot to the point where you kind of want to stab your you know a knitting needle through your ear or something Mm -hmm. about the mcdonald triad Right about bedwetting, cruelty to animals, and fire setting. Yeah, that if a child does those three things, then you might as well just kill it now. <laughs> right, and it turns out that there's a whole, a whole huge swath of the population who does one, two, or all three of those things, and yet does not go on to become a serial killer. And there's a whole pile of serial killers who never did any of those things. So it's not good at predicting. Yeah. But it can help you understand them. If you understand what is it about 
harming animals? What is it about setting fires? What do they get and, out of it and those types of you things? You know, and like with the bedwetting even, how come it was a habit? How come it kept happening? You know, is it a, a problem with the brain developing or is it a problem with lack of hygiene and parents not paying attention? <laughs> or, or or some fault, type of abuse or some, bladder. some type of... Right. Some type of uh, event that sure. that can cause any one of those things, yeah, right, yeah. It would have to be, yeah. There's so many things. I mean, yeah, I like that that uh, the Jeffrey Dahmer movie that was just my my friend Dahmer uh, mm-hmm. that was it came out not too long ago, which was based off a graphic novel by the guy yeah. that went the guy that went to school with him, and they showed that you know that he was he did his, he had his whole animal killing thing but yeah i don't think he ever did the wedding the bed thing i don't think that was ever brought up or any of that other stuff but i i yeah i think that 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 whole premise is or, or the ideology of studying serial killers is fascinating i mean and i like tr my wife uh she uh she is constantly watching the investigative discovery <laughs> channel i mean and i'm I'm assuming someday she's going to kill me she's just trying to find the perfect way to do it so oh <laughs> yeah yeah like i watch the id channel it's, too it's study i'm studying i'm, it's a I'm test. learning it's homework <laughs> just just lay this way honey yeah. i mean yeah. i just i feel like yeah there's a fascination in in a lot of us but you just to go back to like briefly what i think that 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 kind of study does is basically prove that there's no such thing as a one size fits all, even among serial killers. And yeah. that the best approach is to understand why they do what they do so that we can teach cops how to be more aware of what's going on and to, you know, take things more seriously and how to do better welfare checks and things like that. But that ultimately, you know, the way to, for the average person to keep themselves safe is to figure out ways to be a worse victim. You know how to how to be mm. more resilient, or how to be more aware of what's going on around you. And Street that kind of smarts. <laughs> well, and how to you know neighbor smarts, right? Like mm. you know who the creepy neighbor is in your neighborhood. Oh yeah. And if you don't, then it might be you. Just oh yeah. Saying. What? Oh my god! I, I that just reminded me. It was right around the time that I I bought the original Mindhunter book. Uh, I was living in this. I was living in Southern California, and uh, the, <laughs> there was this guy in our apartment complex, and he. His name was Kyle, and he just looked creepy. And we, we, just the way he moved, and stay, I, I don't know, he just put off this vibe. And we took to calling him Kyle, Kyle the pedophile. <laughs> well, it turns out he had taken a, a he had a TV, this little little box TV, and there was a, apparently a mom with a child that I don't remember if it was a son or daughter, or it does not that it really matters. But he had drilled a hole out and put a camera inside the TV and given that TV. To the mom to give the child. Wow. Yeah. Gross. And so, yeah, very gross. I mean, but yeah, it's like, so it's like you're saying, you know who the creepy guy is. <laughs> so we, uh, when I was much, much younger, um, there was a group of us that would always go off into the woods of Squim, Washington and throw keggers and have parties. and Like you do. Like you do. And there was always one guy, and I can't remember his name, um, that was there. And was a little bit too interested in the bonfires and a little bit too interested in just staying away from everybody enough to be creepy. Mm. And when the, when the, uh, there was a series of arsons in, in the area. Mm. And when they started, 
I was joking around with my my uncle who was part of the fire department. Sure. And uh, the volunteer fire department. And I said, you know, you know that guy that comes in here in the red truck? You, you guys ought to check him out. And sure enough, he got caught after like 30, 35 fires. Wow. It it was it just weird. Just weird. It just a you're a superhero dog. No, I am not. <laughs> I didn't tell the right people. And uh, my uncle had nothing to do with him getting caught, by the way. <laughs> but I you know. Well, at least you were right about it. But you told him so, yeah. 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 So yeah, I mean, it's, we can only do what we can do. I mean, <laughs> it'd be nice to be able to solve all of them. Right? But, uh, yeah, I mean, how many? So I won I'm, the Nancy Drew Award. In, uh, <laughs> you're, no. you're a hardy boy. No, um, totally not. Um, so, I mean, and you, you, you probably know this. I mean, how many unsolved murders are there currently, would you say? Billions. I if, Who knows? Because... We know how many people are, are reported missing, and that's not nearly as many as the people who are actually missing. Mm. Because, I mean, how long do you let somebody be missing? And if yeah, you call the police you say and you say, gone. like, yeah. my neighbor's not there anymore, they'll be like, well, people are allowed to go missing. True. Yeah. And so, how, you know, we don't even have a, a grasp on that, much less than if they're even dead or not. And then, and then the next step is how did they die and when and by whom and all of that. So, I mean, there's a ton of unsolved murders and the vast, vast majority of them are incredibly sad and mundane. They're crimes of passion. They're domestic violence. Yeah. Oh yeah. So like the, the large percentages, you know, you're killed by people, you know, right. Mm-hmm. So, Oh, I, I mean, and, and, both for violence, but especially like one of the things that like, like, so I name my aneurysms for fun, like right up, right up here, this one, you can't see me pointing at it, but this one right here is the aneurysm that I have every time I'm like watching the news or reading something online and they talk about a sex offender registry and eventually that aneurysm is going to burst. Like I'm just telling you right now, because a sex offender registry might be, might be, maybe mildly useful for police Mm -hmm. it is completely useless for the public and it is bad like actively dangerous that the public has access right yeah right you know not just for the offenders because it is you know neighbors who decide that they're going to get nasty to this person who was already you know found guilty served their time and been released so it's none of the neighbor's Prerogative break, at all, yeah. yeah. Break out the the pitchforks and the and, torches, and, and what they deem sexual offense. You know, something like you know somebody was taking a piss outside, and because their junk was hanging out, they got they got pinged for it. Right. Or a right. seventeen you, 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 year old dating an eighteen year old, and the parents got mad. Yep, something like yeah, exactly. You don't really know the detail. Plus, it, it creates like I know of parents. Uh, in my acquaintance who very carefully check the sex offender registry before they bought a house so that they they could tell me like see there's no sex offenders in my neighborhood and I'm like that means you that somebody that you kid knows because you know a sex offender everybody does yeah and who like who is going to have access to a child right it's going to be their bus driver, their mm-hmm. uncle, their priest, their teacher mm-hmm. you know their babysitter shit like that and yep. so how do you keep your kids safe? It's by teaching the kid that they can tell their parents and everything. That's, right. a, that's also how you keep kids from, you know, getting weapons and going in and 
you know, shooting a bunch yeah. of people is teaching your kids. Yeah. That, that's, I mean, that's a part of parenting is parenting, actually parenting. Of course, I'm right. the one that I, I'm, I'm the non-parent telling people how to parent. <laughs> yeah. No, parenting police pretty much never have kids. It's fine. But, right. you, but, <laughs> you, but you've, uh, and I mean, I've got two that are, I mean, that are, well, one's, one's grown and she's off in her second year of college and my other one is 16 and is getting his, just got his driver's license. So it's, I mean, I talk to them and I'm, I, 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 I mean, and I open up to them. You're you're a parent that is present. Yeah. Even though they don't live with me. I mean, we text and we, you know, are silly together and, and do those things where, you know, they are comfortable with, even though I am their parent and I tell, I can, I tell them what to do as needed. That's not, I don't see that as my job with them. My job is to raise them so that they can make those decisions on their own. <laughs> so and and be and be smart about it. So yeah, it's uh it's yeah, that's what like what you're saying is it's being present and and having the conversations and so that they understand how to act in society. Make sure that you tell them to stay off the corn pop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the corn pop. I yeah, that's going to be a good one for a while. Um so so after getting your degree in this i mean so you the first thing you did i mean was the first thing you did to try to go out for the fbi or what how did that path from there go i mean i was i was interviewing with the fbi while i was still in school oh and Clarice. that's when you know <laughs> so i went on to yeah i went on to um you know the my first job was when in the state prison i worked there for a while a couple of years and then um i went on to work and it worked in a state hospital well, liked locked state psychiatric facility for a while wow which was way more dangerous than the hospital oh yeah i'm sure <clears throat> and um then around that like when i was done there that's around the time that i had my second child and daycare was just too damn expensive hmm. and i needed something at the same time too my husband was going back for his doctorate he is a math professor and so i needed something where i could work nights and weekends and so i went from there into doing crisis assessment which is when you work in the emergency room and anytime somebody shows up with suicidal mm. or homicidal tendencies or a psychotic break, mm -hmm. sometimes substance abuse issues, after they're medically cleared, I'm the one they talk to. Okay. So it's, you know, I, so how does that, how does that work out? I mean, like, say, let's, let's just say somebody it's, so there's different levels of the, of, of the suicide. There's, you know, like suicidal ideation, right? Where it's just yep. like, you know, I, I, I'm thinking about killing myself type of thing versus gestures of, you know, whether it's self-harm or digging your nails deep into yourself, those types of things. So how, do, how does that, how does that play out for what you were doing there? I had a fairly structured interview. I've actually done a couple of mock crisis evaluations on my show mm -hmm. um, to give people a sense of, because I'm, I'm big on for all of this, whether it's the forensic work or correctional or the crisis evaluation, I feel like People don't understand what it is, and there's no reason for there to be like this veil of mystery. Yeah. Like, you know, and in fact, the more, like, the less jargon, the better. It's probably why I swear a lot, better. I'm just <laughs> prone to swearing a lot. There's oh, that yeah. too. Um, but that, like, there shouldn't be any mystery. Psychology, especially, like, I, you know, my husband feels like everybody's good at math, they just don't know it. Yeah. Because you may not be good at arithmetic. But usually you have some number sense and some money sense and that kind of thing. Right. Um, I don't know. I'm still not 
all that great at math. So there's that. <laughs> but with psychology, it's like if you have any stable relationships at all in your life, then you understand psychology pretty well. There's no mystery. You just may not know what's happening when it's happening. And so when it came to, so on my show, I've done a couple of these mock crisis evaluations so that people understand, like, this is what happens in the emergency room. And I worked in two different states and I've spoken with other people across the country and it's pretty consistent about the type of, you know, every state has its own interview that has to happen, but it's the, the style of interview is pretty much the same. And so basically if I can work with you on a plan and it's not just a you agreeing and nodding your head, but like a plan regarding social structure and you're going to see, you know, so you're going to go home with somebody and then you're going to see a therapist in three days or you're going to see a psychiatrist next week or whatever. And you say you can be safe at home and I feel like you're not just saying whatever you can say to get out of here, then I'm going to work on getting you home. Because being in a psychiatric hospital, it's really rare to be there long term anymore. You know, the psychiatric hospital is just about holding you physically in one place until you're not dangerous anymore. Right. So if I can get you home sooner, that's better because if you go into a psych hospital, you're going to have a wicked adjustment once you're in there Mm -hmm. because they take everything. Like they take your pants, they take your spiral notebooks, they take your, your hoodie, they take everything. And you're around strangers, you have no privacy and you know, you're locked in. You cannot leave. You can't have that door closed behind you and be like, oh, I don't like it here. I just changed my mind. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, that just I does not sound to, like a good time. <laughs> no. It's not, you know, it's not. And I've, now I, in, in full disclosure too, I've been a psych patient. Hmm. Um, about 10 years ago, I had to be admitted after I got very, very sick and was not coping well with the whole physical and mental health rebound, I guess, of the whole thing. Right. And so I've been on both sides of that door and I can tell you it sucks in there. Like yeah. it's the right place for some people to be just like any hospitalization is the right place for some people to be. Yeah. It seems like, but if you can avoid it, avoid it. Right. It seems like it, so far, so far, hundred percent complete on avoiding it. <laughs> yeah. It seems yeah. like, it seems like it's not super conducive to, you know, getting better. Uh, just more like, you know, getting, I don't know. Uh, that's how I, f- I mean, that's just, yeah, it's not a treatment facility. Right. It's for the most part, it's about holding you until you're safe enough to go home. Just like if you go in with pneumonia, they yeah. don't keep you in until you are better all the way better. They just yeah. keep you in until you're good enough to go home. Yeah. So yeah, that, and, and the mental health <laughs> in, in our country I don't know if it's severely lacking. Yeah, it's. I mean, Don and I talk about our mental health issues all the time, and it's generally, you know, depression and anxiety. Uh, that those are our, those are our big two, right? <laughs> so, and we're both going down our own path with those, and whether with medication or therapy, and or uh, discussing it even. Yeah, and so normalizing, yeah, normalizing the talk about it is huge. And in fact, I I, I don't know if you've heard about her, I, I, there's another podcast that we interviewed a while back called Pop Psych 101. Right. I'm familiar with them. I haven't heard, I haven't talked to them yet. They are super great guys. And basically they just kind of break down the reality of how mental health is portrayed in different forms of media, whether it's TV shows, movies, books, uh, 
I think they even did uh, a a comic at one point in time, but uh, just uh, you know breaking down those tropes. And then uh, Ryan is the therapist, uh, and so he kind of breaks down the reality of it. And Mike is the he's also well he is bipolar uh, and he's a uh, and he's the producer, and so he kind of uh, breaks it down for just for himself and how he, how well he liked the thing that they were doing. But uh, Mike is having some difficult lifetimes right now, and I'm filling in for him. Uh, so uh, doing some editing and stuff. So yeah, it's it, doing. Uh, nor it's really it's really just about normalizing the talk of mental health, and and so people aren't so freaked out by it because so many people are. I mean, people think about like, for instance, a psych hospital as either being like the old movie, The Snake Pit. Um, another a, a documentary that's a, a different one is called The Titicut Follies. There's these shows where it's like they line you up, strip you naked, and hose you down once a day, and everybody's mixed in together, and there's a lot of screaming. Um, maybe if somebody's feeling progressive, they think of like one flew of the cuckoo's nest, mm-hmm. but generally they think of either that, that sort of torture den kind of look, or they picture like Rain Man, mm-hmm. you know, the where you can go sit next to the duck pond right. and and an attendant will bring you lemonade. <laughs> and neither of those is what it's like right now. And so, like, I th- the more honesty and the more directness that we can get, I think, one-to-one, that will eventually bleed into how media handles it. Yeah, I, I think that uh, you know, I think well, like one of the ones that I really liked that they did um, was uh, the episode about Goodwill Hunting. Uh, somewhat, I mean, as far as therapy goes, somewhat real. Uh, a little bit. I mean, the the problem that I had with it, and as well as Ryan had with it, was that he had the you know the breakdown at the end where he, you know, it's not your fault. I, I know mm-hmm. it's not your fault. I, I, yeah, I, I, you said that. I, and then he finally just, he gets it and he breaks down crying and now he's better. <laughs> so, right. No, that's, that's kinda, not yeah. <laughs> even close to how those breakthroughs uh, happen. It, well, and even if it did happen, that's not the end of it. You're not done. Oh no. <laughs> now, now you've got to get, re- now work. there's the correction path. <laughs> exactly. The, the, so yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, while all, all, a lot of that is nice, ideally, uh, it's you know, and some of it, some of it is fairly real, uh, you know, with how they do deal with some of it. But yeah, it's. Uh, but yeah, when you think when like when you're talking about mental hospital, I think of the very sterile clinical type of you know the one flew over the cuckoo's nest or even maybe some more like not so sterile like uh, 12 monkeys you know where <laughs> know your doses yeah where, where brad pitt is in there and he's just kind of being wonky and everything's caged and that's i, I picture a lot of that that's a lot how it used to be but yeah. i think what people need to know is what is it like now and what might that have an impact on my life? And it's same with therapy. Like, look, therapy is all well and good to lie on a couch and tell somebody about your problems, but that's not therapy. Mm. That's just introduction, mm-hmm. right? Therapy is about, you know, so <clears throat> to me, assessment is two thirds of therapy, right? And that's why assessment should not replace therapy. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm, by the way, the reason I'm not a therapist is because I suck at it. Like I'm a, I'm a terrible therapist. I really am because I don't have the patience for it. Mm-hmm. You know, like every other people's problems are always easier to solve. Yeah. Right. Like my problems are hard. Your problems are easy. Right. 
Right. And, and so there's this feeling in therapy of like, well, just dump the loser or just eat less <laughs> or just get out of bed or just something. And and I mean, I'm not that dismissive, but at the same time, there's a lot of navel gazing where I'm like, all right, enough. Like, you don't actually have any problems. Go home. You're good. And I can't, you can't do that. Yeah. Right. So I do assessment instead because as an assessment professional, I'm allowed to tell somebody that. Right. I can say to somebody, I don't think you really have problems. Um, but so the thing about doing the therapy, though, the work of therapy is after the introduction is done and after mm-hmm. we both agree, you know, I'm going to tell you, here's how I understand you. Am I right? And then you tell me like, yeah, you're right. Or no, you're wrong. Or kind of finding yeah, I mean, the, well- the gray area. And then found therapy is about really what can you do? Hmm. practicing the actual skills to make it actually better in your actual life. Right. Quit going to bars and picking up the <laughs> drunkest person and you'll stop getting into terrible relationships with a, an abusive drunk person. Right. Other people's problems. Right. But right. that's the thing is that if I say that to you, not you personally, <laughs> right? maybe you that. personally, I don't know. No, I don't but do that. But if I say that to, to a client, like it's not going to resonate. They're just, cause they've heard it from friends. They've heard it from, from doctors. They've heard it before. They need to figure it out. They have to come to it. Right. Yeah. That's well, and that's uh, kind of going through that in my therapy right now is, you know, talking to my therapist, Amy Alpine. She's awesome. uh, And she's very patient with me. And I really appreciate that. (laughs) Or are you patient with her? (laughs) Nope. She's really good. I mean, I need, she holds a play on words. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But she'll hold my feet to the fire uh, when it, when it, when, when it needs to be done. Cause some, you know, like you and I, Don, we laugh at a lot of our stupidity. <laughs> it's not even that it's well, stupidity. Well, we, it, our, we our, joke. We joke through. We joke through a lot of our right and our so, things. And I and the problem with that is sometimes we do it. At least I do. I'm not going to say for you, but for I do it too much. It's, you know, it's I, I tr- it can be self deprecating, right? And so she she'll she'll get she'll say stop doing that. <laughs> you know, right? You know, type of thing. But uh, you know, it's and and it's getting me to find how I ended up in this place to begin with and then work through that to how, how to, how to unfuck myself, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. And so, and, and, and it's something that I've always said is you don't walk 40, 40 hours into a forest and expect to get out in five. It's not, it doesn't work that easy. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it's yeah. While it is easy to say, here's your problem, uh, fix this. Okay. How it, I need some tools, <laughs> and it's, it's rarely just one little. Thing, oh yeah, true. You know, yeah. Right. There's a lot of stuff that goes into making up your psyche. So. Yeah, it's it's not like I keep tripping on my feet because my shoes untied. It's not like that. Yeah, my shoes untied. The shoe is one size too big. My socks are <laughs> it's on the wrong holes foot. in them. Yeah, you don't know how to tie your shoe. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Right. How do I yeah. tie Velcro? No, seriously, it's, there's so many different aspects oh, yeah. and, to to mental health and to getting better and and also how do you decide when's better enough? Yeah, it's you it, know, well, and so, it's and it's 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 never enough in 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 a lot of people's minds. It's mm. it's a it's a constant. Uh, tending of your garden. Yeah. You know? and I think well, that- there, there I would, yes and no. It, it's constant in the sense that you got to keep working on it just as the same as if you want a physically 
a body that looks a certain way. Mm, right. You know, physically healthy, physically attractive, whatever you want to call it. If you want your body to look a certain way, then you have to maintain, you have to do mm-hmm. the work and you have to, so it, it should be, so I, I always feel like a, a good therapy session should be, you should walk out tired and a little bit loopy in the same <laughs> way that a good workout session, you walk out physically tired. I feel that. Yeah. Right. That your therapist is like your personal trainer, mm-hmm. right? So they figure out how did you get to this point? What, you know, in the first place and what can you do to make it better? But then ultimately a personal trainer and a therapist both have to step back. True. And let, and and let you do the work. You right. do you. And so what is good enough? Like it's, it's not up to anybody else. Well, it's our, it's, I think the hard part about the mental health aspect versus physical is that you can see results physically you know you can i can weigh myself i can you know i i can i can sell my pant sizes are different i can't look at my brain and say okay this is now fixed or you know i can i can get a general idea but i don't know if you know you don't perfectly know where you that's know what your I mean? therapist's job right yeah i understand that but it's so you know and that's what i'm saying is that then it's the therapist's job to say okay time for you to take the training wheels off and go do your thing yeah come back if you need to yeah, and 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 the, there's a there's a steroid an, analogy I want to kind of you know go with here because okay. because a lot of doctors will you know you're having depression and da 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 and they and they give you the magic pill that does whatever to fix your brain and you go along for 25 years or 10 years or whatever following that path and you know mm-hmm. your your mental biceps are huge now and you're confident and then you know for whatever reason you decide to go off them and you are not okay Mm -hmm. your bicep your mental biceps aren't (laughs) big and strong and you can you know you you understand my yeah yeah so there's a there's a bit of a danger shortcut it you can't you can't you can you can medicate to help get out of certain situations but you're not dealing with the actual issues or sometimes it is chemical and, and whatever. And, and, and there are people that, that need to stay on whatever for whatever reason, but yeah, you know, yeah, I know I'm going, I'm going through the whole medication thing right now myself and it's, it's not been enjoyable. No, (laughs) No, meds are hard, but the thing is there's nothing wrong with store-bought versus homemade. True. Yeah. You know, if your brain is just not spitting out the chemicals it needs to, you know, Meds are hard. It's hard to find the right ones. Yeah, and, 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 it's, and, not, and it's not like there's a it's not like there's a dipstick that you can throw into your brain and say, okay, you're oh, a little low on right, exactly. <laughs> and and there's 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 a lot of conversation lately about how uh, diet and and it's probably been going on for a long time, not just lately, but it's been more prevalent in in discussions about mental health that diet and exercise and and things like that can alleviate some of the the mental issues we're having so i mean if you're eating mcdonald's and crap all the time what your body is probably gonna (laughs) that's not crap you're gonna not produce (laughs) chemicals that your body and brain need to yeah to be healthy and 
You know, whereas you go and yeah, you, there are certain things that you can do physically to help your mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, whether it's exercise or yeah, eating right, diet. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. Granted, I I don't do the vegetable things as often as I probably should. Aliens are green. <laughs> I'm not eating anything that looks like a, a pickle. Soylent green. Soylent green. People. That's right. <laughs> I'm not eating people. I'm not eating my food's food. <laughs> Oh man! So, one of the things that you mentioned, and you're—I'm just looking at your at your website here. Uh, you're talking about PS, PTSD. Uh, is there something about PTSD that is uh, close to you? I'm gonna have it. Oh, you have it. Oh, do you feel like sharing about that? I mean, Sh- wicked. No, sure. I don't have any boundaries. It's fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, by all means, you can you can say no to us. Yeah, many people. No, of course do. I can. And, and I know how, as a psychologist, I know how to say no, and you won't even realize I've done it. But no, I, I think she I, just I said have, no. No, I'm fine. Um, so I was I was raped when I was 12. Oh man! And had PTSD from that. It went untreated for several years. Okay, a decade. Um, now, do you understand why I wanted to get out of my parents' house? You know? uh, oh yes. And because um, they so. just didn't believe in therapy as a concept. Mm. Um, like, and and here's the irony: my mother's a social worker. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I mean, and, and also like my father, just, this is out there. This is in the world. I'm not saying this is like sympathy or whatever. It's just, but so my father lived with us and died about five months ago by suicide. Wow. So my family has its share of mental fuckery. Mm. Um, <laughs> but so I was, I was raped when I was 12. I did not get treatment. I had two individual, like single episode therapy things when I was a kid because my parents didn't even find out for three years and then when they found out I went to my first therapy session ever this woman sat literally knee to knee with me in her office and now I'm 15 years old and I hate the world right oh, yeah. and all I re- in my mind she has morphed to whatever she actually looked like to E.T. like that's th- that's her head because she had enormous blue eyes and so whenever I picture her I picture E.T. and that probably is unfair <laughs> But so she leans in really close and she goes, I want you to tell me everything that happened. And I was like, I don't think so. She's like, well, we're just going to sit here until you do. And I was like, well, then we're just going to sit here. And yeah, you've got to build up. I wouldn't talk to her. Come on. Right. And then so the next time. So my parents brought me to another woman like a week later and she was much younger and much more accessible. So I started to talk to her a little bit, like started to let her know some of what had happened anyway. And we got like half an hour into the session and I'm starting to feel good. Like, okay, okay, this might work. This might be okay. And she goes, okay, so I'm going to go out to the waiting room and get your parents and tell them what you just told me. Mm. <laughs> it's like, okay, we are done. We're done here. And so I didn't go see ther- another therapist again until I was 22. And at 22, I was pregnant with my first child and I decided I need to get my shit together before I can be a decent parent. And so that was the first time I ever got therapy in my life. And it absolutely saved my life. Like no question. Um, and so the thing about PTSD is that it's two disorders at the same time. Um, it is on the one hand, it's an anxiety disorder. Mm -hmm. So anxiety is legit. Your brain's belief that something is about to kill you. Yeah. And so sometimes it's like a grinding, existential dread like an eeyore cloud right that just follows you around everywhere and you don't exactly know where the danger is coming from but you know that something is about to go wrong right 
Like that's one flavor of anxiety. And then the other is the more panic, nervous, I know where the danger is. It's going to kill me right about now feeling. Yeah. And when I said, like, I'm not speaking in like hyperbole or in jest or whatever. It's the brain legit believes it's going to die. Oh, yeah. No, I, I've got and, I've got plenty of friends who are, I mean, I was in the military and, and I was in Desert Storm. Lots of friends who went to war. So I, yeah. I'm familiar <laughs> with them. So, it's I mean, because that's, just, that's part, yeah, that's, yeah. you know, diagnostically, the first sure. step on PTSD is that you have to have either a, a life-threatening experience or you believe that it was. Right. And, or that same, you know, life-threatening, or you believe that a loved one was about to die. Yeah. So that has to happen. And so if it does and you don't get the kind of support you need or your brain is wired, otherwise you end up with, on the one hand, this anxiety piece of just, you don't have control over how to calm down. And part of that is because on the other hand is it's a memory disorder. So if you right now uh, think about what crayons smell like or your favorite place to, to visit when you were a kid, you can think about it and then you can stop, right? And think about something different. That's how memory is supposed to work. And I mean, maybe we forget things here and there, but, but you're supposed to be able to turn it on, turn it off as you need to. Right. With PTSD, it's like being in a movie that you can't turn off. It, it, something, something hits play. That's what, you know, the, everybody's like, oh, a trigger word? Yeah, no, it's a legit trigger, like a gun. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that something goes off and you are suddenly immersed in this movie and you don't get to hit pause. You don't get to hit stop. It's going to play until it's done and you are immersed in it. And you're not just immersed in it like you're watching a movie, though. You're immersed in it like you're in it. And so it's all of your senses and, it's your brain immediately believing this is happening to me all over again right now. Yeah. And, and, and it doesn't, those it doesn't, two things happen at the same time. And it doesn't even have to, the memory itself doesn't even have to like be in the forefront of your brain. It is a, a feeling, a sensation that is familiar that can feel like something that you're not remembering um, that puts you into that same fight or flight state that exactly. something trigger triggers that something trips it right. off and you don't have to know what it is. Like I have ongoing, like one of my major takeaways that I cannot seem to get over. And this is 30 years later. So I think I'm not gonna, I'm afraid of the dentist. Hmm. And it's because I was, I was held down and hands and other objects were forced into my mouth. Right. At 12 years hmm. old. And so I can, I can handle objects in my mouth now and I can handle lying down, but I cannot handle the combination. So I need to be put under full general anesthesia in order to have any dental procedure at all. Wow. It's just, that's a thing that this still, so, so I've gotten a lot of the PTSD under control. I understand where things come from in terms of uh, a lot of the symptoms that are very specific to PTSD. Uh, but. There's some, like, this residual fear of dentists. Like, I was not raped by a dentist, but I cannot cope There's a correlation there. So, yeah, my brain has just latched onto this. So, I got that under control when I was in my early 20s, and it was fine. And then 10 years later, I had, I gave birth to my third child when I was 32 and almost died. 
from it. And that's a whole very long story for another day, mm. which I also don't mind telling, but, you know, it's a long story. But the moral is that, I mean, I was in a coma for a week and a half and they told my husband to start planning the funeral. Wow. And so when I got out of that and I came home, that PTSD had all gotten kicked up again. But now I had a whole bunch of new triggers. Fun. Um, I could not, you know, the smell of the hospital. I was done with I those old handle- triggers. Right, exactly. Except for the dentist. Except, well, the other, well, like I used because like I used to have a problem with ceiling fans. Oh man! Because I the sexual assault happened in the forest. Oh jeez! And so the, the that sort of flickering light mm-hmm. concept bothered me a lot. I'm fine with that now, right? But the dentist, whatever, I don't know. But after I got sick, you know, in 2010. I had this whole new set of like, I can't handle the sound of a helicopter because I was airlifted down to Mass General when it happened. And, uh, you know, certain smells bother me. And so, I, I mean, at least the second time around, I recognized what was going on and I was able to work through it quicker. Yeah. But, you know, one of the things about PTSD is that once you are traumatized in one area, you are more vulnerable to other forms of trauma. You know, subsequently. Yeah, you don't. It's it's not like uh, for, forget that other trauma. Here's new trauma. <laughs> it's like here's here's a, an entire tr- double truckload full of more traumas <laughs> exactly. and anxieties that are we're just going to pile on top of the pile you already have. <laughs> you can like collect the whole set. <laughs> exactly. And by the way, and some there's a knives. new set every day. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> oh, so. Um, so I, I take it you, I mean, it sounds like you cover a lot of this in your show. I mean, you've got, I cover whatever the person is willing to bring to me, Okay. you know, so like I've talked to a whole boatload of other podcasters. I will talk to listeners. I've talked to authors of books and just sort of whatever, like I'm constantly saying to people like, you want to come to my show? I don't care. Like anybody, you guys, please come on my show. Like, We'd love to. Legit. Like, I just like talking to people. That's what we, that's why we do this. You know, I'm and, sorry, and who are just, you? I know. I don't know. The new pod. Who's this? Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what I do, though, all the time. And I'm kind of constantly looking for people that I can talk with. And I play the, so my show has sort of a structure of where I'll, I'll introduce it, although I record the intro after mm-hmm. I do the, the conversation itself because I don't know what to tell people to look out for yeah right and so but we have these conversations and i have half a dozen saved up right now and they're on so i'm looking at my board right now Mm. i have one about a health crisis um one about a professor one about (laughs) i have have these people's names that says woo next to it because that's what it is it's about like ghosts and woo and stuff (laughs) um i have about child mental health ptsd and I just published one on school and politics. And next month, I'm releasing a conversation that I had with the guy who did Effin Birds. Are you familiar? Did what? Effin Birds. E F F I N Birds. Like a, a, it's a, a hilarious. Game? Go look. <laughs> okay. he, it, it's, he's got a book coming out. Okay. But he does these gorgeous, like, woodcut prints of birds. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, let's get drunk and break shit. <laughs> It's the caption underneath, okay. you know, or what the fuck is wrong with you people? Like that kind of thing. I love him so much. And so I, I talked to him over the summer and I'm really, he's, his book is coming out next month. So I have this totally random mix of people. And sometimes the person coming on, it's like, what should we talk about? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I never know. What do you want to talk about? You want to, you know, 
do an extension of your show. Sometimes people come on my show, like if they have a very structured, scripted podcast, mm-hmm. they'll come on my show to go totally off script because that's different to them. Yeah. Um, you know, or a listener will call in and be like, oh, you talked about stalking. I had a stalker once. I'll be like, cool, come on the show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's, and it's all this random no, that's what cool. What do you want to tell me? Because everybody's got a story. That's our that's is, our jam. We're completely random. <laughs> is is effing birds about birds and vulgarity? Yes. I have found it. <laughs> I think I'm a fan already. Oh, I love him so much. <laughs> He's great. It says the the book contains two of my favorite things, birds and vulgarity, <laughs> which is why this is probably the best thing ever. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah, his book is coming out October 11th, I think. Nice. I think. I'd have to confirm, but I'm so I'm releasing my I, – I talked to him in late June, and I'm releasing that conversation in a couple of weeks Smart. so that it kind of lines up with his – his book release he asked me to so yeah. i'm not it's not me it's oh, okay. him. he's smart <laughs> i'm just yeah. for once behaving myself <laughs> so you it sounds like you should be writing a book you know i i started um before so i developed epilepsy in 2016 mm. i think my brain had just enough damage um between the health crisis that i had in 2010 and then the meds that i was on for a long time afterward mm-hmm. and so i tried but I had a hard time with it. I when I came out of the coma, I had almost complete word aphasia, which wow. is where you just can't come up with words, you can't name things. I feel I feel like I could do that so, myself a lot as it is, but I mean it's just it's, it's I'm sure it's nothing like what you had. <laughs> well, it was just incredibly frustrating for me and now we've we've my family being all equally fucked up to me. <laughs> um we've developed humor out of mm-hmm. it. So like the thing the step stool in the kitchen, right? We call that, we all call that the magical thing that makes you taller. <laughs> and for, there's a, there's a, there's a case out of North Carolina in which a, an owl has been blamed for a woman's murder. <laughs> and okay, when that's separate to the fact that I was driving through New Hampshire not too, too long ago and I stopped you know, about this like farm road kind of place and it's lovely and I've got my sunroof open and all of a sudden, middle of the afternoon, this thing swoops down and lands on the hood of my car and I'm looking at it and my brain just like all circuits, all circuits blown or, you know, and I'm like, oh my God, it's holy shit. It's, it's a murder bird. Murder and now my listeners will mail me things with owls. I love it so much. Wait, wait. Who was the murder bird? An owl. Who? Yeah. Who? <laughs> who? 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 Yeah. Yes. Owl. The, the, you know, the, I have a tattoo of a murder bird now. <laughs> the, now there's there's a uh, on 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 Reddit there is a subreddit called Wild Beef. Which is it's stupid names you come up with when you've forgotten the real word. So like there's like, what is this now? Wild beef. <laughs> I'm in. I'm totally looking <laughs> so, up that I'm like, Fuck muscle, squishy piano <laughs> thing. <laughs> so that's the uh, accordion is a squishy <laughs> piano thing. <laughs> yeah. See, I know exactly. <laughs> yeah. Horny for Halloween. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I, w- I refer to otters, right? <laughs> yeah. Otters are swimmy rape squeeze. <laughs> 
because they are uh, they're they're these little like these they they assault they're actually interspecies rape squeeze because they assault other species and like kill them and then have sex with the bodies Jesus Christ seriously like oh you can't make you say shit the name up, of that one so, more time wild beef oh, sweet okay. <laughs> swimmy rape squeeze yes no wild beef wild Reddit. beef looking teeth doctors bridge road shower blanket <laughs> Shower. I know what all these things are. Okay, here's one. Leg wrist. Your ankle. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's so dear rest of my night after the podcast. <laughs> I'm Canadian honey, maple syrup. Maple syrup. Yeah. yeah. Fancy man bibs. I don't know what the fuck that one is. Ties. Nose uh, tears. It's, it's a dicky or an ascot. Yeah, an ass cutter. Oh, yeah. No, I think a cravat. <laughs> cravat. Laundry sauce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's yeah, yeah. there's so lots I have of that. that. <laughs> I have that and I do that a lot. I do it less now. Like it comes back over time, but it was incredibly frustrating for a long time. And so I I try I used to have a blog like two thousand four to two thousand ten. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, uh, another aspect of the coma is that I have complete retrograde amnesia for about a year prior. So like 2009 doesn't exist in my wow. world. 2009 and, was overrated anyway. So you're not missing much. we got Obama. Figure, I'm you know. sort of kidding. Well, yeah, yeah. It did. It did. But so I, um, I would read my blog to learn about myself. Mm. And so I've thought about writing again. But I just, at this point, it's still frustrating and I don't have the, the words, I guess, and you know, and and also the the, it's not motivation. That's not the word I want, but like the the discipline mm. to sit down and write, which is really what you have to do if you're going to write a book. Is you have to sit down and you know sort of put your nose sure. to the grindstone. Yeah. Whereas with a podcast, I can do an episode and then I can walk away. Sure. And I learned when I started, I was like, I am not going to set myself a, a specific release schedule. I'm just so I drop two or three episodes a week. Um, yeah, I was about to ask because, you, like, with that many episodes, uh, that many episodes you have, you must be doing a lot of yeah. them. Yeah. Well, because like I said, you know, I have, I don't edit a whole lot at all. Mm-hmm. I mostly play the conversation intact and I just give a little bit of an intro and some outro stuff and slap on music and promos and I'm done. So, I mean, it takes me, I don't know, four hours mm-hmm. to put together a complete episode once we're done talking. Yeah. So I can do that. Like I can, I can get an episode done in a day and I can sustain attention to do that. But so anyway, I'm going to bring all this up because in 2016, I think my brain was just like, I have had enough of this shit Mm -hmm. and I developed epilepsy and it's in exactly the part of my brain where uh, executive functioning sits, which is ADHD, Right. right? And your ability to make a plan, do the thing and then assess how well you did it. I don't have that very well. Like I can do it, but I'm not. It used to be a strength, and now I'm like, huh, remember when I could do that? I don't. And, um, I have no gumption. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too. So, you know, I, I maybe again someday, but I there were a lot of things in my my life would have to change, and I would have to get a lot more discipline first. So for now, instead of a podcast. What part of the brain is that? It's in your right frontal lobe. And the executive functioning. That's I, I'm going to blame me not cleaning my house on that <laughs> section of my brain. You fucked 100%. it up. <laughs> I mean, do you bang your head on a wall a lot? Because that's exactly where it would be. 
Uh, well, he's an electrician. I've, he's probably zapped his brain. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, it's the the actual sound I make when I get electrocuted is more, <laughs> and then and then it's always followed by a son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so out of all your episodes you've done so far what would you say i mean if you could if you could pick your favorite of your of that of, don't do that <laughs> okay. no i won't do okay that. i won't, I won't. Okay. could you do like a, no, because a top five all of them all of them are amazing for their own oh, reasons sure. and you know it's pick it's talking to the people that well it's more that, that if, everybody brings their own story sure. so like very recently i had an episode with emily prokop who her show is her podcast is called the story behind right um, she's amazing. And she and I had absolutely no topic planned and we ended up talking about what it is like to be an adult with ADHD as a diagnosis. Mm. Um, and it just went really well. We clicked really well and that was super fun. Um, a, almost a year ago, I talked with Derek Graziano who used to do sometimes geek and now he does rolling misadventures and he and I have actually just started a second show and, the reason that he came on is because he was a gamer and I was like, I haven't talked to any gamers. Yeah, come on and play. <laughs> and so it's about technology and, you know, per- public perception of gamers and what that's all, like how people cope with that. So there's that. So in, in, instead of favorite episodes, you're saying that those are, those are some important episodes to listen well, to. these are just ones that stand out yeah. to me yeah. when I think okay. back, you know. Yeah, fair, um, totally so, fair enough. So I was really kind of looking for if you were going to tell someone if or if I if I if I, if I was going to tell somebody who I you know because I haven't listened to your episodes yet, <laughs> but I fully intend to. If I was going to tell someone, what would you have me say? Hey, you should listen to these couple of episodes. That'll get you. Well, that's what I'm saying. So. so, so the recent one with Emily Prokop was really good. The one with Derek was really good. Um, the one I did one. Uh, number 152 is with Kevin from the Brothers Commonplace. He got very vulnerable, wow. um, which was really sweet because normally he does a, a comedy show. Um, I interviewed the director of, um, oh my God, what I, ju- <laughs> I just had it and I lost it. Here it goes. Um, shit, Sky Borgman uh, is the, her name. And I'm going to have to type it and to look it up now because it's going to bother me if I don't. Sorry. Um, I just can't remember the name of her. Uh, 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 I abducted in plain sight. Okay. Oh, right. The 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 kidnappy, not really kidnapping exactly, but the child molestation kidnappy story. Um, it's on Netflix. It was huge, not very it's, long it's, ago. It's definitely on. I'm huge in very dark docu series stuff. Um, it's it's all so fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah. One of the she ones that's she came my... on my show. She was wonderful. Um, I talked to Paul Chomo who. Is one of the guys that helps run the underdog podcast community on Facebook. And he and I talked about the challenges that being a podcaster and having a family and a spouse that do not podcast mm. is about. So, you know, like there's no particular topic that's especially yeah. stronger or different, you know, or whatever. It's just that there are some episodes where I felt like that clicked. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And a lot of that is sense. more about the people that I click with. You know? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same with us with this. I mean, it's like, well, well, we've had some, some episodes that are, that are brief and you know, there have been times where we don't have anybody that <laughs> we just sit there and we'll bullshit for two hours and, and kind of derail ourselves along different tracks <laughs> and just, uh, and just be us because it's, 
Yeah. Shiny. <laughs> the shiny thing that's out there mm-hmm. that we're going to, oh, look at that. Gene squirrel. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, you know, it's, I, I, I totally understand that. I mean, cause we've talked to how many podcasts that we've talked to that, that have, I mean, whether it's about cryptids or psychology or, uh, sex or porn or horror that's movies. That's a busy day. Yeah. <laughs> What? That was that was a Tuesday. That was, <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. So yeah, I mean, we so all those are different ones that we've talked to, of, and and they're all fascinating in their own right. Uh, so yeah, I, I I dig that. I'm I'm with you. Yeah, and I have some some really good ones coming up. Some you know where you get off the phone and you're just like, whew, that was like therapy. Yeah. Which is, a lot of this is like therapy for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I am not currently in therapy right now, <laughs> and I feel like in a lot of ways, starting the podcast has mm-hmm. served that purpose because I was reaching a point where I didn't feel competent and I didn't feel interesting anymore Mm -hmm. because I'm home. I got four kids. They're doing their thing. And I'm just basically like somewhere in between a ringleader and a cruise director, (laughs) you know, and my husband works in Boston and I'm, we're in Salem, Mass. And so it's just enough of a commute that I don't see him a whole lot during the school year. And so it was a lot of just sort of me sitting around and like, I've already heard my own stories. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. Well, I mean, obviously not the stories from 2009, <laughs> but other than that, I've heard my own stories. But it's good to commiserate. So, yeah. Well, and it's just to hear somebody else's stories and to remember that like, I know how to ask the right question to keep them talking or to, to keep it engaging. Or I know how to ask, like a lot, I'll give you the fair warning that like I make everybody cry and I don't mean to, <laughs> but a lot of times it's because people are like, I'm not going to let her cry. We're going to talk about this terrible thing and I'm not going to, I'm not going to let, let her make me cry. And then I'll ask a question from a different angle mm-hmm. than they're expecting. And you know, my husband likes to tell people that if you give me a choice between A and B, I will find a C. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I, I could, I, you know, it's, I think what, what we do is not completely dissimilar uh i mean yeah it sounds, we, it sounds very yeah similar. you i mean you're 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 definitely more prof- you you have you have more education about it <laughs> wait, 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 about wait, about wait. getting people talking yeah. she is way more professional than we are <laughs> about everything <laughs> well, i mean one of the i think one of the oh i just broke yeah, everything quit breaking shit down. um one of the things that Um, one of the things I think, one of the reasons I think a lot of us do some of this Uh is, um, for therapeutic reasons. Sure. Uh, it's, it's, and those of us that have been through good therapy and, uh, want to go back to it when we need it, Mm -hmm. um, it, it, we have some of the tools that help us do that, you know, do the self therapy things mm-hmm. um and i think that's sometimes what what we're doing through all of this sure oh i feel i feel that a lot a lot i mean you know there, i i'm a crier you know <laughs> so if i if i if i was to come on your show it probably would not take much for me to cry uh so cool. i am i am i wear i wear my emotions on my sleeve and i think don does as well mostly yeah uh, so yeah it's you know you know, like when, 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 when his, his dog, uh, oh God, uh, before being, um, Opie, Opie, when Opie passed away and then you, you got the, you got the pictures of Bean, the, the, his new dog that had been brought up from California as a rescue and was like about to be put down and was being brought up for him after Opie had passed away. I fucking died. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, I, 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 
you know, I, I don't have any problem with, with sharing my emotions. You know, it's, it's, I think it helps us, you know, realize that everybody has these types of emotions and it's okay. Squashing them is not cool. (laughs) It's not healthy. So, I mean, especially, you know, guys that are our, that are our age, generally speaking, (laughs) don't like to talk about that kind of, oh, no, you know, get off my lawn. It's, 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 so I always say, you know, the, the, the common conversation between two guys is how you doing? Fine. (laughs) And then, and, and that's the entire week's conversation between them. Men are not, well, I have two things to say about that. For one, men are, are trained how to be angry Mm. and women are trained how to be sad. Yeah. And it's not really okay for men to be sad, and it's not really okay for women to be angry. Yeah, because the, ang- so the angry the woman is the bitch, the uh, the uppity right. bitch. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, and the guy is a and the, what is a pussy. He's a pussy. pussy. Yeah. Exactly. And and yeah, and that just that's one of those like it's getting better a little at a time. Yeah. Although our current administration is not helping <laughs> things, but whatever. Um, but yeah, toxic the, masculinity. The We're going to put a wall around emotions. We can't have emotions. No emotions. <laughs> oh my God. I hate this so much. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and, and, he, and he does it so well. And, and it's, it's coming. It's coming directly into my head right now. If I have a seizure right now, you're going to know why. Well, I, I will. I am, will. I am apologizing, but I don't. I, I just happened to do a great impression of Trevor Noah doing an impression of our our president because i don't do an impression of our president yeah that's not my president right right right. no but the other thing that i would say about you know men having that conversation is that as i meet people in the podcasting world like one of the unintended benefits of podcasting is that i've made friends and like legit some of the closest friends of my life i call them pocket friends (laughs) because single serving friends Well, it no, was a, no, it was a no, reference like, to Fight Club. I'm sorry. Sorry. No, I don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> but but that with, with pocket friends, like they're just as, as real and important as anybody else. It's just that they reside inside this phone instead of next door or whatever. And so I've made a lot of like I didn't I didn't start a podcast for that. I started a podcast because I had things to say. Mm-hmm. And I wanted a place to say them. And so here, like I really thought my show was going to be very much more sort of lectury in format, just me talking. Mm-hmm. And the fact that so many people have wanted to come on is just a gift and cool. That's awesome. Okay. And so I've made this community of friends that was not expected at all. And the, <laughs> the number of times where I'll make friends with two men who were friends already. And I'll say to one of them, like, oh, did you hear about what happened to so-and-so? They'll be like, no. <laughs> like, did you know that he was married? No. <laughs> Have you ever asked about his life at all? They'll be like, no. 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 No, never did that. Like, fine. Just, I don't want to talk to you anymore. But, you know, or that I'll find things out from people because I ask. I'll ask very direct questions because I feel like if you don't want to answer me, that's cool. I can accept no, but if I don't ask, then you're certainly not going to answer me. There, there are definitely relationships that I have with with men, mm-hmm. other other men, where we don't talk about stuff, and we, yeah. and we just don't. And and it's not because I don't want to know. It's because I know that if if I start asking questions, they're gonna 
shut down somehow. Mm. Um, but there are other relationships with, you know, really, really close friends where I can, you know, say whatever is, and it's accepted. You yeah. know, I can ask questions. I can, they, they ask me questions. They know, they know how, how excruciating both poo hole operations were. <laughs> um, uh, you know, it, whatever, you know, like you've, we, you and I have talked about a lot of stuff, Yeah, but there's a lot of stuff that we haven't talked about sure. because it just doesn't come up. Yeah. And I mean, cause we're, we're busy talking about so many other things. Right. I think it's not like we're not talking. It's just like, there's so many other, I mean, it's like everything. There's a lot. I mean, you're, you're know, 50 years old and we've, there's a lot of shit that we have not, you know, been around to be able to, to be able to talk about all those things. Right. But then when there's stuff that's, that's really deep. Sure. You and I will, will oh, discuss it. Right. Yeah. There's that. Uh, there's, which, Hey dudes, you know, when start I, talking about stuff. Yeah. I mean, cause like, open when up, I, cry. cause I, uh, what was this? It was probably so January this year. Right. That I fucking had a complete breakdown and Don was there for me anytime I needed him. And he understood cause he's been there <laughs> and he's, uh, with, you know, panic attacks and all that other shit. I just, I fucking, and it was just, it was just awful, which is why I've kind of on you know, trying to figure out my therapy and my meds and all that shit. <laughs> it's, it's just not, it's not easy. So yeah, it's, it, but it's good to have someone like Don who is not afraid to share his emotions and talk about these things that it's been really, uh, therapeutic and i mean and just in that so it's yeah it's super important to talk be able to talk <laughs> and the, and we've talked about this even through all of that and mm. me being available to you and stuff i still feel like i wasn't <laughs> enough of available to you yeah and well, and, and i think that's that I, you know i think that's a lot of how we are is that you know even like with our podcast you know i or or any any podcast that i that i do you know whether it's this or how are you now or whatever i'm doing I feel like, oh, I could have done this better. You know, it's, I'm, I'm always, you know, I very imposter syndrome, uh, a, a lot of that for me. Well, and we're always trying to better ourselves as sure. we go anyways. So, uh, instead of staying the course, <laughs> so, stay the course. Right. Thousand, stay points the, <laughs> thousand points of light. Thousand points of light. I'm a dim bulb. Wouldn't be prudent. Bread. Yeah. Anyway, okay. God damn. No, I sorry, I'm so sorry I went there. But yeah, no, in and I mean like the thing about the pocket friends is that I you know, sort of unconsciously was developing these friendships. And the nice thing about a pocket friend is that gender dynamics don't come into play in the same way. Mm, yeah. You know, cuz I mean, you you are who you say you are, and I don't really know. It's just more about whether the personality clicks or not. And if I have to work real hard to have a conversation, then I don't care because there's other people. So see ya, right? But so when my father died, he was on vacation in Las Vegas, and he chose that to be his time. Yeah, and um, and so obviously, you know, my husband and my kids were grieving in their own way because. My father had lived here the last 18 months of his life. And plus I had to go out to, to Vegas to claim the body and that kind of thing. And I leaned and I leaned so hard on the people that I had inside my phone because I, you know, I mean, it's me alone getting on the plane to go to Vegas right. and, and that kind of a thing. And it's me alone awake at three in the morning. And, you know, could I wake my husband up? Sure. He's right there. But I know he's got to go to work the next right. day. 
or I know that he's grieving just as hard in, you know, indifferent, in not harder or easier, but just he's grieving his own right. path. Sure. And so having these people that I could rely on, especially people in different time zones, mm. meant that somebody was around, like all the time somebody was awake. Mm. And I leaned on that very heavily and it, it pointed out to me how legitimate and, and real these relationships were. And also to sort of tie in about like, either with therapy or with building a friendship, like the time to do it is when you're doing okay. You know, that's, that's, I mean, you can do it in times of crisis, but the time when you're going to get the most out of it is when you're doing pretty well, because that's when you're best able to learn or best able to connect or whatever it is you're trying to do. So that when shit hits your fan, you got these people or coping mechanisms in place. Yeah. I think I I think social media has been as well for because I've made a lot of when I was on especially when I was on Tumblr uh, I made a lot of friends who were of, of like minded that lived all over the planet you know that I could reach out to like that so yeah the, I can I can definitely identify with that and I've made I've made some great friends through podcasting as well so yeah it's and it's it's super important to remember that no matter where you are in in health and unhealth that that for the most part there's always somebody there that you can reach out to sure i mean probably even the the least someone reached out to me recently who i had no idea they even knew i existed anymore because <laughs> we haven't talked in five years or whatever and they reached out with something it was uh you know heavy and responsible and yeah but they reached out to to me, me, yeah. me, <laughs> me. I mean, come on, who's going to reach out to me? But but well, you do. But you, you're, you're definitely but, you've definitely always. I mean, I've known you for a little over ten years now, I think, and you've always been open and honest about your you your you are trustworthy. And so I think that's, that's an easy read on you. Well, it, yeah, but I mean, the, 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 the point, the, the real point is that mm -hmm. the, the, you know, that you, there's somewhere to turn. Mm -hmm. Don't think, don't ever think that there isn't somewhere to turn. There's always somewhere to turn. True. Even if someone shuts you down, that doesn't mean it's you, it's them. So if you, if you need to reach out to somebody, reach out, we've said it before, reach out to us. Yeah. We're, we're cool. Reach you out know. to Kate. Reach out to Kate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I mean, it's true though. That, so I, and, and I'll, and I'll put you guys in the spot with this is that I have at the start of every episode, I have a disclaimer, mm. right? Sort of content warning, but it's generic, uh, you know, so uh, this content is, you know, not safe for work or small children or certain house plants, you know, whatever. <laughs> and that I protect everybody's privacy and con confidentiality. Um, because I do fear HIPAA. Like I, I have cases I can talk mm. about, but that's only because I have signed releases or because I'm making it up completely. Sure. Um, and at the end of it, it's that if you're ever feeling unsafe or suicidal, here's the number for Lifeline. Mm -hmm. And the last two words out of every disclaimer are "you matter," and that has sort of it. It's sort of become my thing, and it's funny because I don't even say it right because I have other people read it for me. And that's where I'm putting you guys on the oh, spot sure. to say, like, I'm going to have you, I'm going to hit you up to read it for me. Sure. Um, because I feel like listeners will 
clue in a little bit more if it's a different voice each time. Sure. Instead of instead of just t- zoning it out until I'm, I'm used the to the hearing content. this voice. Yeah. Until until the content right exactly the new content two skips starts. until the content right. starts exactly. And so I do. So that's kind of fun is for people to try and figure out if they know what the voice who the voice is or whatever. <laughs> and but that those words you matter. Like I don't care if people rewrite the whole thing except for those last two words. Yeah. And that's because I really believe it. Like, not everybody that listens to my show matters to me mm-hmm. on a one-on-one basis because I can't. Sure. Like, I don't know who's listening and I can't keep track. But they matter to somebody. Sure. And if you don't think you matter to somebody, then hit me up and we'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, and that if you are feeling that broken, if you're feeling suicidal, you're not rational anymore. Mm-hmm. You're not in your right mind, even if you think you are, because rationality at its heart is the brain trying to keep itself alive. Yeah. And so if you're no longer trying to do that, then you're not thinking rationally. And so let somebody else make some decisions for you. Yeah. And that's kind of, it's kind of what we, I mean, it's a, ours is a little more homey basic. (laughs) Yeah. Cause we end each episode with eat, eat, eat bacon, pet dogs, give hugs. You know, cause that's, that's, you know, somewhere there's a matter in there, you know, you, you're feeding yourself, your, your pet, you know, it's good to pet a dog and hugs are good. So, so yeah, that's in a way it's kind of, we, 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 that's how we end our episodes with saying that same thing, uh, every time. And because it's, it's a, it is, there's a matter in there somewhere. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I totally identify that. And, and I would be more than happy to read that for you. And I'm sure Don would as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll send it oh, to you okay. when we're done. Like I have a very the very loose script, which like ninety percent of the readers have just done as a straight script, but nobody has to. So <laughs> okay, um, we will def- we'll yeah, def- we'll that- definitely go off track. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, please, by all means. Can I can I do hey, it in you know, in a, a, a famous Republican voice? Because <laughs> apparently that's all, that, those are the only impressions we do. Is well, you do way more than that, but. You're I'll do gonna, it as Hank Hill. Gonna know <laughs> I, you know, I'm not going to stop you. And propane products. You matter with your propane and propane <laughs> accessories. There you go. <laughs> well, but I, th- I think that that's what people oh, need to t- know. They need to know, understand that is that they do matter. And if you if you if you don't think that you do, then you're just not seeing it. Yeah, I mean it's, and I think and I think a lot of people really do know that, which is why they seek help. They know that they matter, but they don't realize that they know that they matter. <laughs> so that's probably why there's. Or they don't know how. Yeah, exactly. Or they don't know how to seek help, and that's something I've talked people through before. And you know, or they just haven't found like the right group or the people who are willing to say so. And and that is another byproduct of my podcast that makes me just stupid happy is my Facebook group. Yeah. Is I I started a Facebook group again, you know, thinking oh promotion, sure, right or something, right. and it has. It's to the point now where I'm like, you guys, you guys know I have a podcast, right? <laughs> like, you know, because they just, it's become this really interesting mix of like completely irreverent, inappropriate memes. <laughs> and like, I don't know. that, I'm already in things like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Things, things that you can say at, during sex or at the Thanksgiving dinner table. <laughs> That's right. a lot of gravy. That kind of, well, I'm saying, you know, 
grandma, do you want to breast her leg, right? Can I get another slice of that I pie? Mean, <laughs> Oh. <laughs> That's very moist right there. <laughs> I'm saying it's hundreds of comments on it. And, but at the same time, somebody can, do, and I mean, it just happened today where somebody was like, I have been having a crazy number of anxiety attacks lately. Does anybody have any suggestions? Or just somebody saying, like, I'm grieving. Can you help me through this right now? I feel alone right now. And I've been able to process in a very sort of semi-public way mm-hmm. through some of the things that I'm dealing with since my father's death. So a lot of it goes on my podcast, but also there's stuff that I don't feel quite fits in an episode, but I have to get out right now. Mm-hmm. And I can sort of have this like verbal diarrhea in my group and everybody is great about it. And then we move on to like, you know, show me an inappropriate meme. Like, cool, cool. Okay. And um Yeah, puppies. Show me a puppy. That's literally my favorite place ever. Make me favorite place make on the me, internet. Make me laugh not only at myself, <laughs> but at the wrongness and the fact that for some reason I found it funny. Make me laugh at I mean, all at the least things. one I've done at least one merch giveaway where I'm like, whoever can come up with the most inappropriate meme in the next hour. <laughs> I'll send a t-shirt. And I did. So <laughs> that's awesome. So uh so Kate, tell us where where we can find you so everybody can can get on board and do the right thing. I don't know what the right thing is, but yes, <laughs> I am at I am at IWB podcast, like ignorance was bliss, right? I IWBpodcast.com or that's the same address for all of the, you know, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all of the places. And um, I'm online way too much, so <laughs> yeah. people can find me anytime. I, I feel you there, yeah. But yeah, I think I, I think you're doing awesome work. I mean, I'm I'm I haven't listened to your show yet, but I'm excited to listen to your show. Dean, you so. need to do a little bit more research on our guests before we have them on. Oh <laughs> no, wait, that, that's that, that's, that's not gorilla. Point. That's the point. Figured out. <laughs> so, but uh, Kate, thank you so much for joining us. And I will, uh, I, you know, you say you do like four hours of editing. I'll probably do an hour and just get it up because I want to get this out there and I want, I want people to hear this because I think it's, uh, especially I, I've, I've, I'm a big, I've got a big, uh, I've got a big excited boner for uh, mental health. A big rubbery <laughs> one. <laughs> I was waiting for the end of that sentence. I really was. So I'm, I'm on it. So okay. yeah, I, uh, I, we really appreciate having you here. And as, as, uh, as we like to say, uh, pet, be, be, eat, eat bacon, <laughs> pet dogs, give hugs. And we love you. Be good <laughs> to yourself. You ma- and, and yes, you matter. you matter. You definitely matter. Thanks, Kate. <laughs> and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, right. guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Podskier. If you like us, subscribe and give us a nice review. If you don't, well, we're not for everyone, but we thank you for listening anyway. If you'd like to contact us for any reason, we can be found on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Podskier, and via email at podskier at gmail.com. Also, if you run a podcast and think you'd be a good fit as a guest of ours, don't hesitate to contact us. Take care. Take care.